Hi, welcome to Tabletop Transmissions. This is the podcast about being queer and playing role-playing games. Uh, I am, as usual, one of your hosts, Liz, and joining me tonight are my co-hosts. Hi, I'm back, and I'm Cassie. Hello, I'm Front, and I'm Fran. I don't know how these (laughs) things work. That's fair. Yeah, so I did, in fact, have a wonderful time on my vacation, and I listened to what you guys got up to (laughs) while I was gone, and there's really only one thing to say. Honk! Honk. (laughs) And you had your own little goosey adventures in Hawaii, which I thought was really cool. Oh, yeah, we saw a bunch of nenes, which are the local um, Hawaiian geese. Uh, um, They were extremely endangered. Earlier in the century, they got down to, I think it was um, 30 geese, Mm -hmm. and they're now up to over 800, and instead of just being in one little place, I saw them all over the island. Yeah, which is amazing to me, because we've been going for years, and the only time I ever saw them was, you know, in some sort of conservation setting, so. Yeah, there were a couple that just liked, uh, there was a a little construction area, they were working on something right behind um, our apartment. Mm-hmm. And there were just a couple that liked hanging out there. So, <laughs> so right. awesome. So much for uh, geeks. <laughs> also joining us is special guest Maya, who uh, Hi, Maya. Has, has decided that she would like to come hang out downstairs with me. Oh. Hi, Maya. Yes, Maya's a good puppy dog. Yeah. So we just got we just got back from Blackwater Falls. Oh, that's right. <laughs> That was that was awesome. It's for for those of you who don't know, it's kind of in southern West Virginia. Uh, it's a state park. It's beautiful. Um, you know, actually, hang on. Take that back. Terrible. Don't go there. <laughs> I, want it, I want it just nice and quiet. Mm-hmm. It's not beautiful mm. in the fall. <laughs> no, it's not at all. If you're gonna go, go in like July. Mm. Oh God, yeah, go in July. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cause I'm sure, I'm sure mosquitoes aren't terrible there. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have a bunch of Hawaii pictures um, on uh, up on Twitter, various places. So if mm. you go to my Twitter and go to my page and scroll down, um, you'll you'll see some. So talking about our travel adventures, yes, uh, got me nice thinking. Segue. It is. I'm. I am the. Uh, you the might. Seg- you might just. You might just call me Job about how masterful <laughs> I am with the segue. <laughs> uh, Arrested Development deep cut. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, got me thinking about taking inspiration from your surroundings, um, and not only as a game master but as a player for kind of just. Because there there are a lot of games that let you add, the player add in uh, environment details. Mm-hmm. So I and, and and other things as well. So like what? Uh, sorry, what got me the mo- what got me thinking about this the most was how how beautiful it was in uh, Blackwater Falls, particularly the city mm-hmm. of this overlook. And I started thinking about. Um, uh, the end of the the crap. What, now I'm now I'm forgetting the name. <laughs> uh, beginning of Dragons of Autumn Twilight. I, I don't know what that in is, but the prototypical one thing is the Green Dragon. Mm. 
Not so much or, the green dragon, but like, yeah. but like that. Those or the red dragon. I'm sorry, the red dragon. In ugh. Yeah. Yeah, but like those huge. For, for those of you who have read Dragonlance, you know the end. The end I'm talking about. These huge autumn leaves and these huge trees. And it's like I couldn't stop thinking about that. And so now I realized, hey, whenever I am describing an autumn forest, or in some cases, because you know, being there at being there at night in the mountains, it can get quite mm. foggy and spooky. It's like I'm gonna think back to these. Yeah. So that oh. kind of got me thinking about what kind of what kind of inspiration we can take from surroundings. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, I was just uh, last week, um, last Tuesday, in fact, uh, was um, at uh, in Volcano National Park, which mm-hmm. I know Brian has been to, and yeah. the lava flows and the craters and everything definitely are incredibly amazing. Yeah, and also terrifying. Yeah, they will break your brain in the best ways. Yeah, it's you know we I mean Rebecca was like, um, what did she say? She's she said, um, nature is beautiful and terrifying and it does not care about you. Yeah, um, yeah, I remember getting there and there was a, a native Hawaiian procession to do a sacrifice to Pele, and I was like, I w- I would feed that a chicken. I would definitely like, yeah, on any Pele, regular schedule. Pele is beautiful and terrible, and I I I really appreciate her. Yeah, because you really should. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. but I, but anyway, the lava flows. Um, I mean, you can look at my pictures because they're kind of indescribable. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for me, um, that's a bunch of the uh, scorched plains of Mordor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I kind of kind of had in the back of my mind while I was looking at them and now I realized not not you know the marshes but this the, just the plane and now yeah. that's probably what I'm going to think about when I reread Lord of the Rings yeah so totally get it yeah like I was I remember I was I was watching your pictures kind of come in as you all were on that tour and uh I kept <laughs> thinking about um and I'm I'm going to say the name wrong, and I apologize. My brain is absolutely Swiss cheese today. <laughs> uh, a little bit till like today was therapy day, so I'm kind of out of it. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Um, but uh, from Eberron, uh, I I want to say the Scarred Lands. I know that's not right. No, that's that's not right. But it's definitely. That's definitely what the scarred lands look like. Yeah, <laughs> some of them, bits of mm-hmm. bits of them. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I'm not as familiar with Eberron, which is sad. Um, although I might be getting more familiar with it next month if things work out. Mm. Um, okay. I let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you have a couch? Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> all serious. I would kill to play in a Watsy Everon game. Mm. Like, can I sleep on your couch? <laughs> like in a cheap light. We, we we have a guest room. Oh. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it all depends on whether I can get the day off work and blah, blah, no. blah, 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 yeah. blah. Uh, 
yeah, it, it, there is, there is, there, they are doing the um, the Eberron thing supposedly next month. Although I haven't gotten an email officially about it mm-hmm. yet. Um, but you, the Eberron book is already out, so I'm not spoiling anything by by, mm-hmm. by saying that. Um, so, um, <laughs> since we're talking about D and D, I kind of want to. I know I had this other topic planned, but we brought it up, so I kind of want to talk about it. I was mm. going to su- suggest that for next week, but we could talk about it this week. Um, I, I really want to do a uh, an episode or two on levels of simulation because mm. I think or, or kinds of sim- types of simulation, both because Frank and I have had discussions slash arguments about this in the past and because understanding that kind of thing really came up for me um, or someone who didn't really didn't seem to understand it really came up Mm. for me on this week but i think your idea for topic this week is really great unless you Mm -hmm. want to switch to that no okay let's stick with this one so for um yeah i kind of want to devote an episode to kind of talking about the good the bad and the D. &D. well i mean i i think i think um i think i think something about level of simulation and types of simulation is definitely a valuable episode because that's that's really what it comes down to um with and i didn't get into the nitty-gritty with the person because a she really wasn't interested in talking about it and b twitter um Mm -hmm. but but um it's the crux of the argument both for and against D D. If or rather not against D and D, but as as something is different than D and D. So okay, so let's kind of kind of steering things back to what we were talking about. Okay. Uh, even though I'm sorry, I'm the one that steered them away. Um, <laughs> again, apologize. Kind of Swiss cheese brain right now. No, that's um, okay. Uh, well, therapy sure. can both be cathartic and suck. Yes, uh-huh. I think yep. every trans person listening to this definitely understands how mm-hmm. how it can really open you up yep feel the burn yeah uh, i think i ranted about the supreme court <laughs> yeah i don't really remember yeah i i i've ranted about politics and therapy for sure mm-hmm. but anyway anyway i'm sorry moving on to fun stuff <laughs> yeah uh, so i kind of so <laughs> Looking at your, particularly your pictures, um, I, I've never been to Hawaii. I, I would like to. It looks pretty, and I've seen enough of it uh, through pictures and films and stuff. I will warn you that every island is very different. Mm-hmm. Having been on two of them that are completely different, so you're going to see that if you go to the Big Island, but not if you go to any of the others. See, that's one of the cool things I kind of like about re- reading about. Like, So I kind of have a guilty – it's not so much a guilty habit. It's kind of a weird have, uh, habit I got into when mm-hmm. I was in high school was started reading travel logs. Uh-huh. That's not mm-hmm. weird at all. Wait, I don't know. I just I, – I, I read – I remember I was getting ready to, I know, shockingly run Shadowrun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, not quite as shocking as Call of Cthulhu, but I was getting ready to run Shadowrun, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was going to do—I was going to do Hong Kong. Okay. 
So I started reading a Hong Kong travel guide. I was like, I'm, I'm interested. I don't know much about it. I know it's going to be different than the the Shadowrun stuff, sort of. But I kind of wanted to get to be able to capture that that hustle and bustle, that energy. Sure. Yep. So I'm reading the book, and um, I kind of fell into it. So I, um, uh, so I think I think particularly if. What you're doing, if you're trying to, if you're if you're game mastering in particular, uh, I, I apologize that I can't speak more to the player side of things. I'm hoping you two could add to that because I, I mm. I'm only game master or mistress in this case. Um, <laughs> but wait, I think reading travel log like helped me capture really the sense of the city. Mm-hmm. Like that's one Ooh. of the first games I can look back on and say, hey. I'm kind of pleased with how that one turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think particularly if you're playing in the real world or a facsimile thereof, right? Um, those yeah. can be incredibly useful. Like, uh, I'm thinking about running Changeling. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. So I'm setting, so I'm reading, I'm, reading various cities about cities I think uh, would be fun for a changeweight game. Mm-hmm. And actually, I'm kind of thinking about Hawaii. Really? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I think... I'm sorry. I was just um, talking about setting games in um, other cultures like that. The one thing that you want to um, be uh, wary of potentially um, is appropriation. Yes. Because, I mean, for example, I would love to play in um, uh, in, a, in a, a game about Hawaii with the Hawaiian, uh, the various gods and spirits and everything. But on the other hand, that's freaking appropriation. That's not my business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, like, that's the kind of thing where, like, if you're planning on, like, publishing it, oh, I I, yeah. I think if you would do, like, if you get, like, a sensitivity reader, mm-hmm. maybe. I, I, I don't think I would feel comfortable doing that. But yeah. I think, I think if treated respectfully, so. I think it depends on what level you're playing at. Like, for example, a D&D type game in Hawaii would probably, that is to say a high fantasy type thing, mm-hmm. would probably not work. Because, um, again, you have to invoke the various gods like Pele and, and, and Maui and Maui and all those gods. And, you know, that's not a good look. Um, not that it kept Gary from, from doing that back in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, but... Do you know what I mean? No, absolutely. Like, um, I was reading, uh, there's, there's a particular Call of Cthulhu book. Shadow, I mean, there's a lot of Call of Cthulhu books, but there's <laughs> one, Shadow Over New Orleans, mm. that talks about voodoo, which, I, I, I mean, voodoo is something that has been really misunderstood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I'm reading through this book, and it's interesting but yikes. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I, but, and the thing about voodoo is you don't necessarily have to use it to get 
some of the same um, um, trappings. Like I found out recently, and I cannot for the life of me remember what it's called, but there is a European analog to the voodoo doll. Mm. I actually, I yeah, I found that out. I was, um, I think it was a horror short story or something. I can't remember. I've heard of it. It's like it's it's like it's, folk horror. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 um, it's a, there was mm-hmm. it was a French name and I don't recall what it is. Oh yeah, but, like a, a so sachet or something like that. No, no, no. It was much more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so, but that's something that you know, you can do that. There mm-hmm. are. European traditions, if you're from the European stock, about talking with the dead and things like and things like that. You don't have to use voodoo, but if you're doing a setting in New Orleans, it and you want to include those type of elements, it's really hard not to. Well, and there are I honestly I think there are ways of of doing it and doing it fairly well. You know, having having one doing a little bit of research. Um, two, having it made clear that, you know, if your characters are outsiders, that they, that, that basically their job is to just kind of sit down and, and not touch things that they're told not to touch. <clears throat> you know, having a voodoo priestess who's like, you guys brought your, you know, you got, guys brought your weird ass white grigri in here and you fucked up a bunch of shit that you don't understand. And I would like your help. But I'm asking, I'm inviting, I'm not saying, you know, you're in charge. I am in charge. You do what I say when I say it, and you don't question. But I will say one thing. Um, you guys fucked up and did something you don't, messed with something you don't understand is Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I kind of like yeah, the... I, I, I know, but I just had to make that observation. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> well, and I, one of the... I I will go back. We're kind of today is random day on tabletop transmissions, well, we, but we, we're it's productive random. So yeah, we've moved from um, location taking in, taking uh, influence from locations to appropriation. Mm-hmm. I think they're linked. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the moments in Masks of Nyarlathotep that I really loved was when you you come across a uh, you know a uh, Hang on one second. For... One second. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, spoilers for Masks of Nyarlathotep. If you are fair. playing or have play or are planning on playing in it or might. That's very war, fair. Spoilers. Yeah. And I'm gonna. I'm. We're gonna vamp for a moment so people mm-hmm. can stop the recording because it's a fine module. And if you mm-hmm. haven't played it, I mean, it's incredibly problematic. But if you can mm-hmm. dig deal with that, it's, it's a like really... twenty years old. They are, they are going to be doing, or maybe they've already done it. I don't know. I've been poor a while, so I haven't been able to get <laughs> new books. But um, they're they're going to be updating it. Yeah. And, Fran, and with okay, sorry. Yeah. And it was um, it was yes, it was twenty years ago, and it was the second edition that we played, the second I edition know, of I'm, Masks I'm... of Nyarlathotep. But it was problematic for. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm not saying the problematic. I'm saying the spoilers. Oh, (laughs) it was 20 years old at a certain point. You know, it is it is it is one of the campaign books that keeps getting revised and keeps getting put out. I know. But I'm just sort of saying, you know, 
at the end of the Little Mermaid, she gets the prince, and you know, doesn't she dies. At the end of at the end of Lost, it turns out they were all in the afterlife already, and and you know, at yeah, a certain you know, point, I, I, I haven't seen the end of Lost. <laughs> it's a sled. It's a sled. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so wandering back in from the far off fields through which we have been tramping, um, one of the less problematic moments to me, one of the things that I really liked in the uh, books was you come across this um, this uh, African priest who basically says, yeah, there's there's, you know, stupid crap going on out here. I'm going to give you a couple of tools that will help you deal with it. Just take them. Use them as I say, and they'll help. And then he's like, and uh, as for the rest of it, you guys are on your own. Good luck with it. Um, and he gives you a couple of things that 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 do go on to be very, very helpful and very productive and very mysterious and not European magical in flavor. Um, and and basically what I what I liked about it was the sense that there are mysteries out there that don't belong to you that are different without being evil. Um, while I agree with you, that was a really great moment. Mm-hmm. And while I totally agree with you that, you know, it, it, it emphasizes that you're not the center of the universe yep. as it were, it was still problematic. <laughs> Everything in the Africa Oh, everything. Problematic. Yeah. What what I was basically saying is there are if if you reach and you push, mm-hmm. you can you can find better ways of doing this stuff Ooh, that yeah. that that opens up a a window onto onto another culture mm-hmm. and and does it with respect and a way that invites curiosity rather than kind of you know, othering and making it, you know, something yeah. to be possessed. And and um, I think engaging with the culture mm-hmm. rather than using it as um, a trappings, mm-hmm. which, yeah. again, Gary Gygax was very bad at. Let's just mm-hmm. perfectly yeah. frank here. Um, uh, uh, engaging with the culture is also, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it could still skirt the lines, but. Um, yeah, you've been very quiet, Liz. What do you have to say about this? Well, so I'm I'm thinking about Call of Cthulhu, and I'm and I've I've actually been struggling with this. Mm. As much as I love Call of Cthulhu, yeah, it's problematic. Mm. Um, and I think kind of the the compromise. I I don't know where I don't know if compromise is the right word, but Mm. Kind of where I've come from for myself is that for my home game, I try my best to 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 do what we've been talking about, to engage with cult- things from other cultures in respectful ways. Mm-hmm. But it. I don't know. I, I, I it, sometimes I catch myself and it's like, oh, you know, that's that's bad. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the uh, thing about thing about Call of Cthulhu is a lot of the original, not not all of it, because Lovecraft was not the only mythos writer by far, but a lot of the original writing is rooted in 
I don't think we, we can even call it problematic. We can call it mm-hmm. racist, xen- racist yeah. Yeah. xenophobic, mm-hmm. anti-Semitic. I mean, it's it. Yeah. You know, I love Lovecraft. I think he was an incredible. He had an incredible mind, but it was also incredibly closed and could mm-hmm. be incredibly offensive. Um, and you know, unless you're like specifically tilting away from that, like um, doing like Robert Block mythos or you know things that aren't Lovecraft, um, it's hard to get away from that. Yeah. And- that's why I'm kind of excited. That's why I really like. I, I I'm kind of. I I used to be such a such a a, a 1920s purist. Mm-hmm. Well, I understand that. I I like that era as well. But I've kind of been I've kind of been moving more towards games like The Laundry Files, mm. Delta Green, mm. uh, which <laughs> Delta Green's problematic in and of itself, well, but. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Hey, guess what? You're the government now. <laughs> yeah, mm. you're the secret government conspiracy now. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> um. I've kind of been leaning more towards modern day stuff. Um. There's one game that I'm very excited about. It, I mean, I've got the PDFs of it, but mm. the physical books should be coming, hopefully, early next month. Because it was a Kickstarter I backed. Mm-hmm. Um, shockingly, it's from Pelgrane. I know, I know. <laughs> take, a, take a sip. Um, but it's the King in Yellow. Oh, mm. so Robert, it's Robert W. Chambers. Yeah. Well, he also had some issues, but they were there was xenophobia in the King. It definitely implied in the King in Yellow. Oh, absolutely. But um, it's it's yeah, it's an interesting book. Um. So like this game, there are there are four different settings for this game. Mm-hmm. One is um, the base game, which I believe is called Absinthe. So it's like eighteen ninety or eighteen forties, eighteen somewhere around there, mm-hmm. Victorian era. Okay. Uh, and you are American students in Paris. Uh-huh. So you're dealing with the sense of the other. Like, this is not your home culture. It's close enough to be familiar, but different enough to, in some ways, seem strange and alien. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's it's described as absinthe-soaked. Mm-hmm. So, slightly hallucinogenic. Mm-hmm. Um, there, the second one is the war. So think of uh, an alternate reality version of World War One and Two combined, oh, where geez. it's the forces of humanity fighting mm. against Carcosa. Uh-huh. Which, for those that don't know, it's where the old one, the King in Yellow, resides. Uh, it's it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is it is important to note that, of course, um, the King in Yellow has nothing to do with the Cthulhu mythos originally. Right. It was pre-Lovecraft, and um, mm. it was kind. Of, I think it was Derleth that incorporated it when he when he reprinted it at one point, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds like a Derleth thing to do. <laughs> I got I got beef with August Derleth. I think everybody kind of does. Um, 
But then the second book or the third book is, um, I forget the title, but it's dealing with. So you, now you're playing instead of playing soldiers fighting this war, now you're playing guerrilla fighters, who the war is over. Hmm. Um, the war has been long over. Spoiler: We lost. Mm. But now it's modern day, and we have overthrown the um, we've overthrown the forces of Carcosa. So mm. now it's all about rooting out the alien influence still left. Mm. And so it's got this almost McCarthyist kind of feel. Oh, interesting. It's uh-huh. it's it's cool. And then the last one mm. is the world that is, and it's the one that's closest to our world. And it's, hmm. it's our reality where everything is just a little bit off. Mm. Um, it's a really neat system. It, it's kind of a it's it's a hack of Gumshoe called Gumshoe Shock. Okay. It's. It's it's interesting. I'm waiting till I get my physical books because I that's the kind of game I really need to sit down with a physical book and just read through it. I I don't mm. know how people do PDFs. I really I really don't. I really like having the phys, a physical book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tend to too. I I see. I actually can go either way. Um, like I'm prepping for this Changeling game completely by PDF. <laughs> well, uh, I'll just. Uh, we're Gen X and you're a millennial, and that might um, be a Gen X thing. I I can put books on a tablet and and read on a tablet. It's mostly that when it's time to do reference, yeah. I the the physical act of having a thumb on pages is important to how I figure out where the hell I am in the book. Yeah, so. I can I can definitely do some stuff, but when it comes to learning games. It, I find it much easier to with a printed page where I can go back and easily refer and blah 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 blah. But mm. you know that's just me. I also have issues reading large amounts of text on a screen. So. So, um, <laughs> well, no. So, so the, the reason I kind of so here's a peek behind the curtains. Um, I mean, the peek behind the curtain. So for listeners. Hopefully this makes us seem more human and not the unknowable <laughs> alien gods we obviously are. <laughs> we are so, professionals. I have been, let me put it this way, I have been broke and poor for a very long time. Um, so PDFs were pretty much how I could afford RPGs. Oh yeah, there are lots like, and lots of games I don't own because I can't afford them. <laughs> like, I didn't, The re, I, I, I played... I was very particular about my picks for fourth edition books, mm. but I didn't. But I didn't really play D and D in college. I played Cthulhu because I had PDFs, mm. and um, like that was like I like I got a hold of um, what did I get a hold? Of? I forget which one I got a hold of. I think second edition. They had a sale. Mm. I, I was able to pick it up cheap, and that's where I started. Uh, but but either way, I don't know. Like the, if if PDFs are how you can afford games, yeah, uh, I I don't think there's anything wrong oh, with that. Yeah. Oh no, no, I totally. Oh no. Oh no, and I'm not saying that you guys thought that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, <laughs> but I mean, I'm just gonna go back. There is a generational thing here because 
when we were doing the heaviest early role playing, of course, PDFs didn't exist. Um, Fran and I. Um, so we think of books as, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. PDF isn't our first, uh, isn't my first thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. No, no, I, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. So, uh, so when, when we were in college, you know, you, you either had the book or your friend had the book or you were out of luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you had a few photocopied pages. Yeah, there's that. There's that. So kind of, um, kind of moving back to our original topic. I'm so sorry. I'm no, sure. no, it's, it's okay. So, um, we've been talking about kind of various places and cultures but we've actually kind of mostly stuck with rural stuff. Like mm-hmm. I know, like Cassie, you were out in, um, I mean, you were in like the Big Island that has this. Yeah, city on the Big Island. Uh, no, there isn't. There are lots and lots of uh, villages, which are really small towns. Mm. But um, mm. I wouldn't say lots and lots. There are some villages which are really small towns, but but the only city in Hawaii really is. Oh. Hold on a sec. Phone. You okay? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. So let's... The only, the only, the, well, I mean, Fran knows this. The only really big city is on Oahu, um, which will, which is the island I've been to twice, and it will always have my heart, um, which is uh, Honolulu. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't another major, major city. I mean, Maui is, you know, tourist he- heaven or mm-hmm. tourist hell. Um, and Sorry about the, that. That's okay. And the big the big island is um it has a it has a good population, but they're not. Oh my yeah. god. Uh, but they're not. You know, it, they're not. Um, they're not in cities. And uh, and Kauai um is most is a, a lot of nature. Okay, so but either way, so we've been talking mostly about kind of rural areas. Yeah. Uh, now I know all three of us have the, we have the the privilege of being very either in or very close to two major U.S. cities. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what kind of things if you are, like I know whenever I have to take metro, um, I I people like I one of the things I like to do is I like to people watch. And I like to kind of watch the environment around me. Like, do either of you mm-hmm. do that, or am I just weird? Um, I mean, I do do some people watching, but I often have my head stuck in a book too, because mm. sadly that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't um, say sadly. I, yeah, but I mean, when I'm in a city, I definitely people watch. Yeah. I, I had an exercise, and this is more as a writer than as a DM, but there's tremendous overlap there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a thing where I kept a notepad, and if I saw somebody really interesting, I would scribble down an introductory um, character paragraph for them. So um, there was... Uh, <laughs> yeah. There was the... Uh, there was the... the, the woman who was i think she was a bike messenger and she had a messenger bag strapped across her shoulders really tight she was on a a fixed gear bike and she was smoking a cigarette like a coffin nail and she kind of screeched up to a stoplight sat there you know 
tapping her foot nervously, like, come on, come on. And then as soon as the light changed, she took a really, really hard drag and raced off. And I was just like, that is that is someone with a story. Mm. Uh, clearly, clearly that person is possibly also from the hit Fox television show Dark Angel. Poss- oh my possibly. god. Could possibly have been. <laughs> but, yeah. Thank you. This has been your Dark Angel update of the week. Oh Don't my god. That, that 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 show. Yep. And I I will say um on a more general note, um not just people watching but I will grab I'll definitely grab places. Mm. Um you know, the, the particular dingy little restaurant that's, you know, sort of one of those restaurants that seems to have stuffed itself in between two other buildings and just kind of shouldered its way through to the street. I'll, I'll grab those. And um, when, I, when I was growing up in New Haven, Connecticut, there's loads and loads of weird-ass architecture and little dead-end streets and strange alleys and stuff i i have in fact run games set directly in new haven with you know friends who were sitting there going so you know that alley behind the whaley pharmacy yeah okay well i duck in there and you know how they there's always those trucks parked yeah yeah well um i'm gonna basically lead them through there oh okay perfect i mean we have played in games set in seattle um there was Mm -hmm. a feng shui campaign that um mm-hmm. one of our friends uh, the, the person who's running my first edition campaign uh ran <laughs> um yeah. called seattle magic police um uh, which mm-hmm. was it out shadow run shadow run um <laughs> except with of yep. course the feng shui system so it was much mm-hmm. loose it was very loose but i mean that was entirely in seattle in the yeah. uh, future so it could be just different enough that Mm -hmm. different but just the same enough that we were like oh and we generally played it in seattle in in, uh, matt's in my apartment too come to think of Mm -hmm. it um yep so So there's actually sorry so there's actually um have either of you ever read or played the dresden files rpg uh no i'm i my wife has read the the books but i am basically completely unfamiliar with harry dresden except in a very general sense uh, so, well, okay, so in the RPG books, they actually recommend, hey, if you live in a major city, play in your city. Oh, yeah. Yeah, makes oh, perfect yeah. sense. Um, like, yeah, I mean, but going back to the rural versus the um, versus the city thing, I think some of the reasons why rural comes up so much beyond the fact that um, a lot of fantasy games are set in a pre-industrial society. Um, is that you know you get the I mean the folk horror and all uh-huh. kinds of stuff that you can do in the city with urban fantasy, but it's sometimes easier to do in a rural setting. Does that make any sense? That's just a feeling that I have. I kind of so I kind of get what you're going for. You're saying that because. It's easier to get that feel and that vibe without having to worry about being so specific. Is that kind of what you're going for? Um, not just that, but without feeling urban. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. with with mm-hmm. with an urban setting, you have to deal with the fact that you're in an urban setting. Whereas with a 
more rural or a more small town setting, yeah, maybe it is specificity. I'm not sure. Maybe I don't know what I'm saying. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I spent um, even longer than Fran did living in uh, Western Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And that definitely affected, uh, had a huge effect on um, on my storytelling, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, since you both have lived in Western Massachusetts, I have yep. two questions. Not only did we live in Western Massachusetts, we lived right near the Quabbin towns. Mm-hmm. If you know yep. Lovecraft well enough. Yep. Mm-hmm. Something special in the water. Yep. <laughs> we, yeah. we, I have friends who used to go swimming in the Quabbin Reservoir. I never, I never did myself, but it's Listen, wicked awesome. I, I'd, I'd like to avoid the color out of space. Thank you very much. <laughs> But uh, no, so I have two questions. Yeah, makes uh, it's great one, lemonade. Where do you park your car? Oh, uh, no, well, that's that's west, that's eastern Massachusetts. Oh, okay, I'm I'm bad yeah. at geography. Okay. I park my car but, in the but yeah, lot. yeah, in the parking lot, you nut job. Well, that that's that's Connecticut. <laughs> no, no, that's not no, no Connecticut. Okay. In Connecticut, you park it in the parking lot, you uh-huh. nut job. <laughs> And then there's New Hampshire. Yeah, New Hampshire. Where you park it in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then, so my there's yeah, um, fun, I did have, yeah there's so my fun second, gradations. So okay, so I did have a point in asking that question. It was not just to uh, get someone to say that because I find it amusing. Um, another kind of fun thing, like I like to do, is I like to listen to voices. Mm. Like I don't know, maybe this is because I've spent way too long in the theater. Uh-huh. But like I like to listen to accents and and see if I can kind of copy that tone or that that you know that copy the accent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, thing, I'm up for that. Yeah. The thing about where we were is um, it was a heavy college area, so there were lots and lots of uh, so you didn't really get you. You still got some of the accent right where we were, but if you really want to talk about the Western Massachusetts type accent, you need to talk for, to just Sarah. You need to talk to Fran's mm-hmm. wife because she mm-hmm. she grew up in um, in in Greenfield, Massachusetts, which you might know as the headquarters of uh, Yankee Candle. Um, and uh, the Yankee Candle headquarters is awesome, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's definitely its own thing. So I think kind of to, um, I guess kind of to summarize, I think, (laughs) I know we've kind of been all over the place, but kind of what I have taken away from our discussion tonight is it never hurts. Like just because you are not like actively reading an RPG rule book or you are not, making notes about something i think you can kind of help build you can you can help those creative juices by just being aware of what's around you Mm -hmm. yep and that's that's true if you're if you're 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 an artist if you draw if you write if you paint anything any kind of creative endeavor uh paying attention to surroundings especially when they're new surroundings is really really important Mm -hmm. 
So, because we are on a time crunch tonight, we're going to go right on into shout-outs. So, okay. uh, Kathy, what are you digging this week? Oh my gosh, um, I have a bunch of stuff, but I'm going to try and <laughs> keep it short. Um, so, on my trip, I, I finally finished uh, N.K. Jemison's The Fifth Season, um, mm. and, and it is amazing oh my god it's in it's a very very complex book and i mean i i was way too far into it when i finally said oh and got how everything came together but um everything comes together (laughs) and Mm -hmm. the writing is fantastic the world building is amazing i cannot wait to read the second one um the other thing hmm Oh, sorry, what what book is this? It's called the Fifth Season. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Hugo in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Uh, and and it's just it's I mean it's huge. The book is four hundred and sixty eight pages long, hmm. but wow. it's worth it. It's totally worth it, Fran. I think you would love it if you hmm. haven't read it. Uh, um, the other thing I wanted to say was um, uh, since I had a couple of big plane rides, I picked up um. Uh, Dylan McConnes' latest book, which for some reason I did not buy from her at Emerald City. Um, mm-hmm. And I did that both because she's an, a fantastic artist and writer and because she is the biggest fan of my dog that outside of my family. <laughs> um, she, she, you know, I, I went up to her at Emerald City and I said, I have new buddy pictures. She said, oh my God, get back here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called Queen of the Sea. Um, it is a book for younger readers, but to be perfectly frank, it's an all ages book. Um, it is a pseudo historical fiction, um, in that she takes elements from history and then, um, puts her own names on things and goes places that history didn't necessarily go. Mm. Um, and, um, it's just, it's an absolutely wonderful, wonderful book. Um, and I, got back you know i read it on the plane and the other day i tweeted i tweeted that i i loved it and then said um i want to ask i should ask dylan if there's going to be a sequel and i tagged her and she tweeted back well i don't know it depends on how many dog pictures you post (laughs) so I i tweeted a picture of buddy looking at the camera and saying oh dylan she wants to know what happens next nice Hopefully there will be a sequel. But um, so I really recommend both of those books, and I'm also really digging uh, the new season of um, Depressed Horse Cart, um, uh, BoJack Horseman. BoJack. <laughs> um, it's the first episode is incredibly painful, but it's it's just so good, so good, and it's the last season. I don't know if it, they're doing a split season or if this is it. No, but, they're doing a split season. Okay. Uh, that explains why it was only eight episodes long. Um, I, I Yeah, I'm like halfway through it, and it's just been fantastic. That's me. Sorry. <laughs> long week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, two weeks for me. Yep. Uh, let me see. Um, I, my my I weeks have been... I that time. <laughs> my weeks have been rather busy. Um, I, I, I do definitely want to, um, 
give a uh, give another shout out to the horrible geese game because that that is like just one sheet of pure joy in uh, in uh, in uh, tabletop role playing form. That was just an absolute delight. Um, and uh, in this week of of various complex stresses, I think my other shout out will go to the Great British Baking Show, um, which is just kind of quietly calming and it is a balm to the mind to sit there and watch people be polite and positive and supportive of each other even as they're competing so and of that, course that can be found on netflix that can be found on netflix yeah or the bbc yeah and um and uh sarah and i are both agreed that that we want sue to be our wife so um yeah when she yeah that's that's pretty much it for me I, uh, sorry, I, I am also a fan of the Great British Baking Show. Mm-hmm. It is what I put on when my brain has had too much. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, I am digging. So I've been. Um, I want to. I want to state that this start. This I started reading this book. Um, after I decided I wanted to run Changeling. Mm. Okay. So um, there, the two are not related. Um, but it is a it's a book called Rosemary and Rue. Oh, oh yes. I'm trying to remember <laughs> from Sarah and Sean, McGuire. Sean and McGuire. Oh it's, right. It's the first of the October Day books, and yeah. um, you've taken your first step into a larger world, my dear. So the reason I kind of started reading this, I wanted to read. I, I was I wanted to read urban fantasy. It's something that wasn't too mushy too romantic like Mm -hmm. inevitably they turn out to be like if they were queer romantically like yeah but if they're cis so i'm not really into that (laughs) yeah um so i started reading this one and um or i I tried to read reread the dresden files okay and i just couldn't hmm uh, Harry Dresden's far too misogynistic, and Jim Butcher, Jim Butcher has got some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I just couldn't do it. So I try. I found this one. It had good reviews. I found out apparently there's a trans character. Oh, there's more than just a trans character. Once you go further along. Well, I've almost finished the first one, and mm-hmm. I'm really liking it. It's it's. I'm probably gonna finish it. Maybe to maybe tomorrow or, or Friday. Mm. But it's I'm enjoying it. They're absolutely lovely and Sean and McGuire is a a a marvel on many levels. And I'll repeat something I think I've said on the show before about her, which is um that one of the habits that she has that I as a writer I hope I'm in a position one day to do this. When someone comes up to her at a convention and says, I wish there were people like me in books, her immediate thing is, okay. And the next book she writes, there's a person like them in the book. And she goes out and does the research and tries to figure it out. And it's like, genderqueer, okay, yeah, we could do that. Nonconforming, yeah, I can put that in there. Non-neurotyp, yeah, we could do that. What's this asexuality thing? Oh, look, it has a wiki page. I'll do that. And she just quietly 
widens her worlds as she goes. And it's that's that's what I aspire to. I, huh. I do have, I do have another recommendation for urban fantasy. Okay. Um, who uh, old, older than than Shannon? Um, Charles wrote a lot of really. I assume he's still writing. But he, I, he wrote a lot of really great urban fantasy that I read in the '90s. Um, I'm trying to remember the. Name. It was like he wrote a book and then he wrote a sequel to it, and it was so good. And I cannot remember the name of it. Uh, um, I'm gonna reach back into my Wayback Machine, and my friend yeah. Robin McPherson wrote a really, really fun urban fantasy book called. Stormcaller, I believe it was, and um, uh, it's it's really fun. There is some romance in it, but don't worry, it's 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 pretty queer friendly, um, and uh, it's it's just a lot of fun. It's not you know the biggest, heaviest, most inspiring thing you'll ever read, but it's it's just really nice writing and a really nice story. And I actually wish he'd get back to the universe. All right, so I'm trying to find it. Um, Jack the Giant Killer, that was it, I think. I think that was the mm. one. Let me find it. He, yeah, he was part of the group um, of Canadian writers that, with uh, like Terry Windling and Emma B- and those those guys who um, all wrote just fantastic fantasy and fantastic uh, fiction. Um, yeah, yeah, there it is. It is Jack the Giant. Um, uh, the it's uh, set in Ottawa, and it um, yeah um, mm. the, the 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 anthology of the two books that he wrote about Jack, who is Jackie Rowan, who's a woman, um, is are is in Jack of Kin Rowan. Um, and the two books are Jack the Giant Killer and Drink Down the Man. And basically, it's this woman who accidentally has. A uh, late night, as, as the wiki says, a late night encounter with a motorcycle riding version of the Wild Hunt, and, and she picks up a red cap. She enables just her to see, and so she winds uh, into a, into a battle between the Seely and Unseely courts. So it's um, it's kind of Irish, uh, Canadian Irish urban fantasy, mm. and I remember absolutely freaking loving those books but um emma bowl is another great um writer uh, um war war for the oaks was, was one of her books so i mean you know there's there's i mean this is all back in the day <laughs> you know mm-hmm. oh yeah pamela dean will shatterly there was all this group of, of of writers who if you're not familiar with them they're really, really I'm sorry, I made that recommendation for me and took away from you guys. No, no, you you are doing just fine, I promise. <laughs> so, I think that's going to be our show for this week. Where can uh, where can people find us? Or what? let's, let's plug our pluggables, as it were. Mm. Uh, well, I guess I'll start. Um, you can still buy my book uh, with my wife, uh, Vigilant, through Shadows and Dreams, um, on uh, any of the major ebook uh, platforms, and you can buy a physical copy from Drive Through Fiction. And you can find me on Twitter at Ronalyn Valor. And if you review my book in 
any format whatsoever, you know, on Twitter, on Goodreads, on Amazon, I will write you a haiku on any subject you ask. You need to let her know you've done it, though. Yeah, yeah, you have to tell me. I ju- you won't just have a haiku magically materialize or anything. <laughs> she doesn't troll reviews. Okay, um, I am Cassie. I can be found on Twitter at at tip transformed. And you can find me on Twitter as uh, at little underscore Lizzie 22. And, and we are. You, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say you can find us on Facebook at Tabletop Transmissions. And you can find us on Twitter as at Transmissions. And listen for how I spelled it, because remember, folks. I spelled it wrong uh, <laughs> when I created the Twitter account. We are at T-R-A-N-S-M-I-S-T-I-O-N-S, or just check the show notes. And uh, we can be found on iTunes and Podbean. If you listen to us on iTunes, please leave a star so the mighty algorithm will take pity on us. Poor lowly podcasters. Um, so this is show twenty-two. We still really hope to, to do show twenty-five, all about your questions or your comments or how much you hate us or whatever you want to say. So please feel free to um, ping us on Twitter, on our Twitters, on Tabletop Transmission Twitter, on Tabletop Facebook wherever you want to but we would really love to celebrate our 25th anniversary uh, 25th show rather by uh, you guys our reader or listeners <laughs> i'm tired too <laughs> yeah it has, too been a, it has been I'm a long sorry. day <laughs> yes but hey thanks for listening everyone and we will catch you next time all right bye everybody take care folks